passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, December 11th, 2022. It is now 21 years since the Nagata and Izuka versus Kawada and Fuchi match in Osaka Prefectural Gym in New Japan. Remember that match? I haven't seen that match. That's a great match. Have it on VHS. I'll let you borrow it sometime. Uh, joining me from my to my to my east is Jesse Collins. Chris Gullo is out today. He is at the Bills game as the Bills take on the Jets. But hello, Jesse. Hello, Brandon. How are you doing? He has today? made his bed. He's, are you ready to go now? Yes, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Jesse Jesse wanted us to start about ten seconds later. Sorry for the wait. He made his bed, but it looks looks really nice now. It still doesn't look good, but uh, it was no. it was very obvious to the viewer that my bed wasn't made, and uh, we can't have that on WrestleMonics. We have to give off the impression that everything is is neat and, pre- and prepared. Yes, and I definitely didn't wake up very shortly before this this podcast was recorded. Okay, have you been following the World Cup? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and, and anything exciting lately from the World Cup? Um, yeah, I mean the quarterfinal games that just took place over the last two days have been fantastic. The um, um, I, oh, I heard on. Harry Kane uh, oh, had a penalty this is kick. Terrible! And, this is uh, terrible, Brandon. Get this off my screen. Get this off the screen. We're seeing the photo courtesy of the New York Times with, or the Athletic. Um, p- big penalty kick, and and did Harry Kane's team lose? Is, does he play for for England, or what's the deal here? Yes, Harry Kane plays for England, and he had a penalty kick that would have tied the game with about 10 minutes to go, and he missed it pretty badly. He kicked it over the crossbar. I don't like this, Brandon. This was like a sneak attack. I can take the Patriots slander because I'm used to it, but Harry Kane slander is still a raw raw subject with me. And my only goal for this World Cup, and for people listening, I'm a big Tottenham Hotspur fan, and I revealed this to Brandon last week, and he's already punishing me for revealing that information to him. Yes. Um, yes. That is and, your favorite footballer. Yes. Okay. And uh, my only with the U.S. out, my only goal was for uh, Harry Kane to not embarrass himself, so I don't have to deal with the banter online. Yes. And sadly, that did not happen yesterday because he obviously wore the goat horns for the England national team. So, are, are you watching the World Cup on Fox, or are you watching the Telemundo version, or something? Else? I am watching the World Cup exclusively on the Fox Sports app. Because I do not have cable, mm-hmm. but I have a Roku and I have my parents' cable login information. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching it um, via like the Fox Sports app on Roku. Has the Fox? I've heard the Fox cover. I've not watched a second of the World Cup this year so mm-hmm. far, uh, but I've heard the the Fox coverage is serving the casual fan too too much. Too worried about the casual fan, not serving the hardcore uh, World Cup fan. True or false? I mean, that this is a true, this is a actual true conversation that people are having to consider it, to tie it to like wrestling. 
Um, there are have been comments about, and this happens a lot during the World Cup because the World Cup is really the one soccer event every four years that I think the casual American sports fans will flip it on. And sometimes the networks that are covering it, like Fox, will kind of treat the game like it's like they'll try and speak to, to, to people who maybe have never watched a full soccer game before in their life and have no familiarity with the players. I, I as, a, as a big soccer fan, um, haven't really thought that that much. I feel like when I'm watching the game, it's not the presentation is not that different than when what like NBC Sports does with the English Premier League every week. Um I don't feel like they're talking down to me. I think they're talking about tactics. I think they're talking about um, players as if you know who the players are. Um, I don't. I don't really have that big of a concern. They're not like comp- always drawing comparisons to American sports that are more popular, which is a common thing. Which is like they're, they're condescending you know, video packages or what? No condescending video packages. No one explains to me uh, who the best players are. There, there are some that might reference other games, like, for instance, Argentina and the Netherlands played uh, on Friday, and they went to a penalty kick shootout, and they talked. They did reference the 2014 penalty kick shootout uh, that the two teams had had eight years ago, um, but there was no video package to show it. So maybe some casuals tuned out because they didn't really know that much about the 2014. You know, Excalibur just said it on the on, on commentary, so... Um, <laughs> Are there references to indie soccer leagues that the casual fan just doesn't know about and would be confused and perplexed about if they heard any such references? Oh, there certainly are references to smaller soccer leagues outside of what would be classified as the major mainstream soccer leagues, right? There are plenty of players that are playing in the Belgian league and the Dutch league and the Portuguese league uh, that, that, that maybe the casual viewer is not that aware of. Mm-hmm. Um. On a more serious note, there's uh, news the other night that that Grant Wall. Have you heard about this? Grant Wall is a, mm-hmm. a soccer journalist, uh, only 49 years old. Was apparently at at a quarterfinal game between Argentina and the Netherlands, and he collapsed and died. Um, ha, has Fox covered this at all? I, I oh, know they they've been very much against covering anything related to to the government in Qatar and all that. Yes, Fox has covered this. Um, all of the commentators during the games, um, really the games yesterday, because that was really the, the first opportunity they had. Um, uh, commentators brought it up on multiple occasions. The studio show, um, I think, had like a little tribute video package um, to him with Rob Stone, the kind of studio host, talking about him. Uh, you know, some of the announcers were, were emotional. They couldn't. Like I think it was John Strong. Knew him, right? Yeah, they couldn't like they couldn't even get through saying what they wanted to say about him. Um, it's really one of the most tragic media deaths I can think of. Um, Grant Wall was really important to the growth of soccer in this country. Is really important to the popularity of mainstream media coverage of soccer. He spent a long time at Sports Illustrated. I think almost twenty years at Sports Illustrated before. He went off to working on his own Substack. He also was a um, worked for Fox Sports uh, on television, and he was a really big champion for soccer and soccer in from an American perspective and covering soccer at a professional level and a certain standard that maybe is common in other parts of the world, but not that common in the United States. Um, and he brought uh, a thorough dignity and talent to that coverage that the sport was really lacking. And I think that played a major role in 
the evolution of soccer going from more of a niche interest to something that is now, you know, approaching, um, you know, real, the, you know, some of the big four leagues in terms of popularity and obviously not totally, but, but has really climbed up in popularity in this country. Um, and the growth of us soccer in general owes a lot to the coverage that Grant Wall did. And it's very sad and tragic and completely unexpected to see that he's, he's died at 49. And I understand there was, he was, publicizing and talking a lot about the the political situation in Qatar, including he's wearing like a rainbow shirt and rainbow armband. I understand he has a brother who's gay. So um, just, uh, I just, some people are suspicious about what exactly. Yeah. I mean, when, so, so, so um, to get into all the details here, what you said is true. He was very active in um, kind of protesting the, um, you know, the, 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 the World Cup taking place in Qatar in the first place, um, and he, he was very you know public about that both in his writing and then he was he posted something on Twitter um, or his Instagram where he was trying to get into one of the games and he was wearing a rainbow T-shirt and he said that they wouldn't let him in because he's wearing it and he refused to take it off. I think he did eventually get in um, to the game, but there was a lot of um, discussion. Obviously, when they found out that he died suddenly. You know, his brother, I think, posted something on social media saying that he's very suspicious about the death. And obviously people are um, concerned that there was something related to his protesting Qatar that led to him dying. Now, at the same time, he had posted, uh, like, I think two days before he died that he was very sick and he didn't, he felt like crap. And he went to like a medical tent at the media village in Qatar. And they said that he, they think he might have bronchitis. Um, and then of course he dropped dead two days later. Um, he was on a podcast, I think the day before he died talking about, you know, how he had been in bad health. Um, so I think that has called some of the more conspiratorial concerns about his death. The fact that he was on the record saying that he didn't really feel good. Um, mm-hmm. doesn't really make it any less tragic, but I hope that he can come back to the U S you know, his body can come back to the U S very quickly and that like a U.S. you know, medical autopsy could be performed. So his family can have closure and we can figure out what actually happens. Yes. Um, so we'll, we, we will talk about wrestling, uh, soon. Uh, if you want to participate today and uh, send it a super chat with your question or comment, the main thing we're going to focus on today is the Ring of Honor announcement, Honor Club. But if you want to uh, submit a question or a comment, have us respond to it, feel free to use the super chat feature if you're watching live on YouTube today. Um, so last night, Ring of Honor had its final battle pay-per-view, main evented by Chris Jericho versus Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor title, live on pay-per-view in the afternoon with the NXT deadline in the evening. Uh, and the main news, as promised at the media call, I think on Wednesday, there would be news about where Ring of Honor TV would live. There's been discussion and speculation for months and months now, ever since way back in March, Tony Khan announced that he had acquired the company, Ring of Honor. There's been speculation about where, where that TV show might end up. And we have the revelation here. We're going to read the report uh, written by John Pollock from Post Wrestling last night. A weekly Ring of Honor series will be launching on the Honor Club streaming service. Tony Khan made the announcement at the press conference after final battle with a launch date still to come. Khan stated that uh, 
they would keep the relationship with WBD and BR live for pay-per-views, which will be added to the Honor Club streaming service after 90 days. Khan added that the weekly Ring of Honor program uh, would likely feature heavy involvement from New Japan Pro Wrestling with more details expected to be announced after Wrestle Kingdom next month. Honor Club was recently revamped and was part of the assets Khan purchased by... Part of the Assets Con purchased earlier this year. Final battle and the third pay per view event under the new was the, thir- the third pay per view event under the new ownership for Ring of Honor. With Con stating it was too early to have a solid idea about how well the, the show sold on pay per view because it was earlier. But he did note that it was the most purchased final battle ever. Uh, so there's that. Um, we do have some comments just to, to look at what, what Tony Khan had been saying leading up to this announcement. So go back to September. Uh, he did an interview where he said, if we can get weekly TV, the weekly TV going again, it would be even stronger. I would love to bring Ring of Honor back on a weekly basis, and it's a conversation I'm having with Warner Brothers Discovery pretty frequently. And I have to say, something that's going to be really helpful is the success of Ring of Honor, is the success Ring of Honor has had on a pay-per-view. So I, so I guess he's saying there that, look, we're, we're doing pay-per-view with Ring of Honor through Bleacher Report. Leaf Report is owned by WBD, Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, and that, that was often the way that he couched this in that I'm talking to WBD. We're doing pay-per-view. We're, we have great success, better than anybody thought we would have uh, on pay-per-view. And, and a lot of that sales happening through Bleach Report domestically. Um, he goes on in another interview in October. He says, we'll have great news soon about Ring of Honor weekly shows the success of Death Before Dishonor on pay-per-view has ensured there will be more Ring of Honor pay-per-views. Our goal is to have one more great pay-per-view for Ring of Honor in 2022 and then follow that up with a weekly show in 2023. Um, so, yeah, this is for people watching on YouTube. This is what Ring of Honor, what the Ring of Honor Honor Club service looks like. Uh, they said they did a soft launch of it. Um, Honor Club, what, what was your prediction? Uh, before I think I DM'd you last night, Jesse. What was your prediction about where this TV show would end up? What would be announced? Were you expecting Honor Club or something else? I really didn't have like a strong prediction about where it was going to show up. I was thinking it was going to be a streaming deal. I guess I would have I would have guessed that. Um, and I guess I would have thought of HBO Max, but at the same time, HBO Max really doesn't have any kind of programming even close to resembling a ring of honor weekly show. They don't have any other weekly sports shows, I think on the streaming service. So I wasn't really sure. I mean, in hindsight, it looks like, like honor club feels more obvious. The fact that it took them so long since Tony Khan purchased the company to get television or to not get television, I guess is probably a warning. It was a warning sign. Um, but I mean, I didn't expect it to be Honor Club, I guess, in the sense that I thought maybe they would I don't know, launch their own separate thing from Honor Club. I guess it makes sense to do Honor Club instead of that. But I didn't really have a strong sense of where they were going to end up um, heading into to, to Final Battle. What did you think? So I was putting the slides together last night, and I was collecting logos to put alongside the Ring of Honor logo, depending on what, what the announcement would be. And I had the HBO Max logo out. I had uh, a text box that said FAST on it that maybe uh, 
AEW slash Ring of Honor. God, I know they're separate companies, uh, but but that the 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 multiple entities owned by mm-hmm. Tony Khan would launch a fast channel, a, a free ad supported television channel that perhaps could be distributed through various platforms like Tubi and Amazon Prime and Pluto and, Pluto and Roku. Maybe Peacock, but probably not, and 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 things like that. So that it would be free access. You wouldn't be asking people to pay a a, a price point. Uh, maybe that's something that was possible. Um, I know DAZN has uh, apparently is apparently distributing Dynamite and Rampage in some European countries. Um, I was told that it's it was not going to be DAZN, so I was ruling that out. Maybe you know, Fight is doing stuff with with GCW and other indies. Maybe there's and obviously there's a relationship between Fight and AEW as there is with AEW Plus with the distribution internationally. Maybe that's something that could happen. Um, but I did have the Honor Club logo. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't strongly consider it. I know there's been maybe hope or expectation that maybe it'd be TBS itself. Maybe it would be on at ten o'clock on Wednesday, and you could do the. the dynamite to, as the lead-in for for ring of honor that would make a lot of sense but then we got the news recently that uh tbs is going to broadcast something called slap power slap don't call it slap whoa fight. whoa whoa brandon it's dana white's power slap dana white's it's power very slap. important that dana white's name is in front of that thing okay don't call it's it basically slap like fight. ufc it will be as successful as ufc i'm sure this is ultimate fire all over again but but that's happening and not only is that on tbs but I saw the promo, I believe last Wednesday night, on Dynamite, that that is going to be on at 10 o'clock on Wednesday. So Dynamite's going to be feeding the audience for that show, which, which just means you know that, that, slot, that time slot is going to be occupied. So that's something that's definitely not happening. I don't know that I really believe that Ring of Honor was going to end up on a strong cable network like TNT or TBS anyway, but that takes that out of the equation. Yeah, I would have thought I, I thought perhaps like a, someplace like True TV, maybe a lower profile Warner Brothers Discovery Station, yes, um, perhaps where I have various options here in this graphic that people can see on YouTube. Let's let's say Discovery Plus. Well, let's say let, to be unfair, let's say Ring of Honor Television with like Chris Jericho on it, which isn't the case. Maybe probably isn't the case anymore. Let's say that does about what a lower end of Rampage does. Okay, that number. Like let's say, three hundred and eighty-five thousand total viewers in a point one zero. That number would be pretty good on a lot of lower tier cable stations. It maybe wouldn't be it wouldn't be good on TBS, but if you put that on True TV or you put that on some other lower tier one of those Discovery Network, that'd be pretty good, um, right? If they could deliver that, uh, I, I think that the network does have a lot to do, not just the coverage. I, I believe the coverage of True TV is pretty strong, so it probably sold almost always in the same. Yeah, it's about the same as I think TPS and TNT TBS. Um, but I don't, the, the profile of the network, it's, it seems, does matter quite a bit. When you, when you think about, I don't know, what, what, what certain programs have done historically on sci-fi versus – I mean look at SmackDown when it was on sci-fi versus when it moved to the USA mm-hmm. Network. Um, it did do better on the USA Network. Um, but yeah, I think um, this. So let's let's evaluate this. Is this good news for Ring of Honor and or AEW? Do you view this favorably, unfavorably, neither? Which? Well, that's a good question, Brandon. I would say, I would say, since I'm not, I wasn't probably really high on my expectations for where Ring of Honor was going to end up at this point. 
I would say this is good news for Ring of Honor, certainly that they're going to have weekly television, that they're going to be recording somewhere, uh, and that you're going to be able to watch the Ring, Ring of Honor television with Ring of Honor wrestlers and Ring of Honor announcers and a Ring of Honor ring every week. And I think it's it's really it's really, you know, it's hard to evaluate how much we can relate this Ring of Honor news to AEW, right? Ring of Honor failing to get a television deal done is a shows that AEW is weaker than expected or that Tony Khan is weaker than expected when it comes to his ability to negotiate for television. And therefore this is a very, very bad sign for AEW. I can't, I don't really feel that way. I think this is a separate thing. And if you go back to just where ring of honor was at the start of the year, which was out of business, the fact that the company has now put on three pay-per-view events, all of which have been successful related to where ring of honor was before and is now going to have television, which again is probably going to be more successful than where ring of honor was before. There's no way to really look at it and say that this is successful for Ring of Honor, the brand. Now, where expectations may be set higher due to Tony Khan purchasing the company and making Chris Jericho the world champion, I think that's probably fair. But if we were to step away from maybe what the expectations had grown to be and just look at where Ring of Honor is now on its journey as a brand, um, I would say that this is a firm step in the right direction. Literally, as we speak here. A press release has has just hit my inbox. Uh, I don't think there's any new information in here. Um, I, I thought it was it was pretty telling based on the finishes last night. Uh, Briscoes beat FTR to win the Ring of Honor Tag Team Titles. Spoiler alert, um, which tells me probably not going to TBS as the Briscoes apparently are, are are not allowed on on at least those w, WBD platforms. Obviously, this pay per view is still going through Bleacher Report. But uh, be, because of the, the tweets from Jay Briscoe, apparently, from 2013, he's not being allowed to get on TNT or TBS. Tony Khan has said things to the effect of, believe me, I've tried to get them on TV, and they are, he could not. Um, but the title going back to Claudio Castagnoli, I would read as they put the title on Jericho to try to sell the brand and say, hey, look, we've got a, a major star, one of the, one of the biggest stars uh, in AEW, who's the Ring of Honor champion. Uh, that no longer necessary, put the, put the belt back where it was on Claudio. Um, I, I think putting if, – if no other TV deal was available, which apparently it wasn't, I, I, I think what you have to read what happened here as he tried to shop this around. They tried to find a home for Ring of Honor Weekly TV. Couldn't find any. Um, not all that surprising, given, given what Ring of Honor is. I, I remember uh, on the last post-WE quarterly earnings talk, talking with John Pollock and post-wrestling and saying, uh, wrestling's not a good business to get invested in. It's a good business if you're WWE or if you're AEW. If you're anybody else, you're struggling to find great distribution right now. And so, right. so by, by that, I mean, think about where MLW is, where NWA is, um, where Impact. New Japan is, where Impact is. They're, you know, they're, they're, not, in, they're not distributed. They're, they don't have really strong distribution. Freddie Prince, Jr., Freddie Prince Jr.'s alleged promotion that's coming. Right. They're even all. Wow. Even WOW. Even WOW. WOW is in 100% of the homes, but it's it's a it's a fairly low profile. I and, still have not figured out where and when I can watch it in Buffalo. In wh- Wow, and on YouTube. In Wow, 
is owned by a very powerful sports owner. Yes. Just like AEW is. Yes. So, so, so I think they're, they're all working off this assumption, which worked for, for Tony Khan and AEW, that 2018, massive upgrade for WWE. And you look at not just WWE, but look at all the other sports leagues and sports properties that have gotten strong upgrades in live sports, sports-like content. And that's apparently the play that a lot of these other players within wrestling are making. And I think there's a disproportionate passion that people have for wrestling that has driven this particular market to be especially over-invested in. Um, but anyway, if you're not able to find a home on ideally something like HBO Max or TBS, I guess the best way to distribute this and nobody wants to license it. Um, then I guess the best way is to go ring of honor and sell this direct to consumer, a subscription service. And that said, I don't know what the expenses involved with honor club. Um, how many subscribers is honor club with a weekly ring of honor TV show? By the way, he made it clear that pay-per-views wouldn't be available until 90 days after the fact. I know it doesn't appear that there's going to be any discount for honor club members when it comes to buying pay-per-views. Like I believe there was in the Sinclair era. So basically what you're getting here is the library. Whenever this TV deal gets announced, don't know when, sometime he'll make an announcement in January, something like that. So they're going to have to produce these shows, probably taped in advance somewhere, maybe in the studio in, in Florida or whatever. Uh, but they have to produce these shows, which will ha come at some cost. Um, and how many subscribers do you attract at $9.99 for a, a Ring of Honor weekly show and no, no AEW content, just Ring of Honor content? I think it's in the tens of thousands. Um, what, what does New Japan World do? Something probably just under 100,000. That's worldwide. Maybe in a, in a domestic market that doesn't especially embrace streaming video. In any case, this is, this is not an AEW product. You know, you think about wait, what's, the, what's the ratio of Ring of Honor pay-per-view sales to AEW. I, I believe, you know, what, what was the last pay-per-view? Full Gear did probably, we're probably going to end up I'm probably going to end up believing it to somewhere in, in the neighborhood of 125,000 buys. And he's said that these Ring of Honor pay-per-views do somewhere around 40. So let's take his word for it there. 40 divided by 125. That's like about a third. That's about one third. Um, so. Do you, can I ask a question? Do you mm -hmm. think that Tony maybe got some offers for television somewhere and turned them down? Whether it was due to too small distribution or not enough money being given to him? Um, I, I tend to doubt it. Cause like what, I don't know that this is a great business to be in with the, the expense that may be involved in, in managing honor club, especially if you get more, if you get more subscribers, I would, unless they were not offering you any money whatsoever. I mean, right. Sure Tony is, Tony is approaching it as honor club is a way for us to make money off of this in a way that maybe some proposed smaller deals with television that maybe would be, I don't know, less embarrassing, um, would have been. Yeah. So I, I think like the way to do the math is to say, or right, you got 40,000 pay-per-view buyers here, let's say, and say you can sustain that on an average basis throughout the year, multiply that by $10, uh, and multiply that by 12 months and you get, you get to, and I think this is aggressive, you get to $4.8 million a year. Um, and I think there's there's a lot of subtle cost involved in Ring of Honor in that, it, it, first of all, you bought this company in March and explored TV partnerships apparently for nine months, all the while justifying more talent cost, all the while 
Rampage, which is your second most important television property, uh, its ratings weakened, probably in part due to the featuring of, of the Ring of Honor brand on Rampage. I don't know about that. And I think the Ring, the Ring of Honor brand in general has diluted the AEW brand in general at a time when the AEW brand has been especially challenged with the exit of CM Punk, with the behavior of various talent and, and problems uh, with, in, with, with fights and conflicts in the back, um, at a time when one of the key opportunities for AEW's existence, that is the incompetence creatively of Vince McMahon, has been taken off the table. Um, I think this is Ring of Honor is a tremendous distraction. I guess you could have you know this sort of plausible deniability, like let's see where it's going to go. Maybe he'll get a great TV deal, and it'll all be be smart in the end. And what we've got here is you've got to you've got to self sustain this streaming service and attract enough subscribers to to make this all worth it. And I think at this point, AW would be better off just folding Ring of Honor and getting all these belts and all all this extra talent. Uh, AEW folding Ring of Honor? You mean Tony Khan because they're separate companies. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Um, but, I, but I think it's, it's uh, you've got a TV deal coming up next year. And what, we, what I learned from the 2018 negotiation is that AEW is way better off having two really valuable TV shows rather than one really valuable TV show and one that's just kind of a B show. And Rampage has declined tremendously over the last several months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's become something that I really question the value of. Um, and they've got to renegotiate TV deals next year. And I don't know what I, I don't I don't know if they're going to be in a, in a very good position to do that. If they've only I mean, Dynamite is still doing well enough. There have been some pretty weak ratings the last two weeks. It was only two weeks, though. We'll see how it continues to play out and trend. Um, but Rampage is really weakened. I asked Tony on Wednesday how he's going to address that. He gave me give me an answer very similar to what he said months ago. And since then, ratings have gotten worse. I'm not sure if. He knows how to deal with it. He has said that there did seem to be an implied acknowledgement that Ring of Honor had contributed to the decline of Rampage and that he's he's talking about how he's going to feature Ring of Honor less going forward on those shows. Um, Yeah, I mean, to me, the decline of Rampage to me is has come more from a direct lack of focus on making that show feel important and therefore conditioning fans to become feel like it's less and less significant and less and less of a priority for them to watch each week. I don't know if that's exactly connected to Ring of Honor wrestlers being featured on it or the Ring of Honor brand being featured on it. I think having things like the Ring of Honor Pure Championship defended on an episode of Rampage, I don't think that takes anything away from Rampage. I think that is is is, is a positive, at least. I, I think Rampage's problems kind of exist with or without Ring of Honor in the sense that fans now believe it to be a lesser show because big stars haven't been featured on the show. Um, Major angles don't tend to take place on Rampage. And and the message is out to fans that you can really skip Rampage and you're not going to miss anything that significant. I don't know if that's necessarily, if if that would be any different if Ring of Honor didn't exist or not. I guess you can make the argument that Ring of Honor wrestlers have been featured on Rampage or they'll do more Ring of Honor stuff on Rampage and therefore people know it's kind of like, oh, it's like a Ring of Honor show. I don't want to watch that. But I think in general, it's more of just a general like, – like, to me, it's they cannot have Ring of Honor stuff on, on Rampage and it's, it's if it's not stuff that fans see as Major League or stuff as, as the equivalent of what they would see on Dynamite, then 
that 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 is what's really sending the message and what I think is hurting Rampage. I, I don't I don't I'm not as um uh, convinced as I think you are that that has a direct relationship with Rampage's decline. Yeah, I, I, I've seen and I've been in attendance for some Rampage tapings where the audience was not familiar with some of these people who are especially going to be used in Ring of Honor, but they were there to be, you know, the sort of Ring of Honor presence on Rampage and the crowd was pretty dead. But um, those people are on Dynamite too. <clears throat> Less, I mean, often, throw out, like, less often, I think. Eh, they'll throw they throw out like Dalton Castle on 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 episodes of Dynamite and different kind of Ring of Honor wrestlers, The Kingdom. Like they they throw those people out. I think pretty much equally on on, on Dynamite and Rampage. I don't know if there's numbers to back that up, but and, I don't and see it, that as inherently a Rampage issue. And it 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 brings to mind like the idea that like if if I were TNT or TBS and I was seeing this featuring of a, of a different wrestling brand that is other than the wrestling brand that I signed a contract with and, and that I am, I'm branding this time slot as I would feel like, am I getting the product that I'm paid paying for? Am I getting the product that I agreed to here? Am I getting some mix of, of that product and something else? Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, now I, I, can play, oh, I, I think, okay. I, I think in general, Dynamite and Rampage, just AEW brand entirely. I think that you're right. I agree that the Ring of Honor stuff, again, I didn't have a problem with Ring of Honor stuff, but I heard from a lot of people who were like, ah, I don't care about this Ring of Honor stuff. And they hand waved it. So, and I've heard that from enough people that I can believe that having Ring of Honor presence on AEW television was a hindrance to growth and was a hindrance to your viewers taking the product seriously. Um, so I do believe that, and it seems like Tony does too. And you could tell in the build up to final battle, and and Tony kind of admitted this that outside of Jericho, who's a major star, there wasn't like a ton of Ring of Honor stuff on Dynamite and Rampage leading up to final battle. Really, and people were saying, hmm, you know, this build to final battle is poor because we don't, you know, they're announcing a lot of the matches at the last second. Outside of the main event, we really don't have a lot of long term storylines heading into um, the event. So I, I think Tony did. Has, has pretty much said that he thinks that, you know, they're scaling back Ring of Honor's presence on AEW television. And pretty much the only reason he'd be doing that would be because he doesn't feel like it's helping television ratings. Yeah. Um, so I think it's good for AEW if that, that Ring of Honor is going to kind of go off and be its own thing. I think if you're just looking at Dynamite and, and Rampage. And I guess I feel like at, at this point, and we can play Monday morning quarterback and, and now knowing what we know, couldn't get a TV deal. It would have been, you know, in what scenario do you make more money? This current real life scenario that we have now with these facts can't get on TV. Going to do Honor Club instead, where we can make this as a best case scenario too. In that, well, maybe this adds another asset that could be rolled up into a future TV deal or international TV deal. You can sell the Ring of Honor content too if that's a show that you got. But what makes more money? This. This scenario and this strategy, or you know, let's let's go back to March 2022 and say let's just rebrand Dark Elevation as Ring of Honor, and and we'll use the library assets for you know tr- trying to make some sort of library licensing deal at, at in the near future or maybe further off when we have more AEW library uh, along with it, um, and. So we've got that. Those are YouTube shows, whatever, and they can be rolled into international distribution or even, I don't know, domestic distribution or something like that. And and rather than doing I'm, – I'm going to go to the, to the point I've heard others made. Rather than doing four 
Ring of Honor pay-per-views that maybe sell 40,000 buys, maybe do an additional two or three or four AW pay-per-views that sell more in the neighborhood or more than 100,000 buys. Um, and I would argue in my alternate scenario, we also don't water down the AW brand and Dynamite ratings are a little stronger. Rampage ratings are a little stronger. Maybe ticket sales are a little bit stronger. Which, which oh, you, you I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's tough to say in hindsight. I think your scenario does make a lot of sense. And I think the damage to the brand, I think, is something that's like super, super duper important to AEW, right? Because they're not a – they are not WWE. They are not a company that has – decades and decades of loyalty and habit that fans have formed and fans will tolerate, um, you know, subpar performance for years and years, but still give them the benefit of the doubt. Once you damage that brand, and this is why the problem with Rampage, I think is much more challenging than just Tony Khan putting out matches that are better or storylines that are better on Rampage. I think the book is out on Rampage. I think that fans now know, like I said, Rampage is skippable and it's almost impossible to win those people back. You'd have to throw out your biggest stuff on Rampage to kind of reset people's in, in people's minds that Rampage is important. Um, once something becomes a meme on the internet, it's hard to to kind of unwash that meme. And what meme are you referring to? The idea that Rampage is like I'm using a meme. I'm I'm, I'm not using like a, like a direct meme, but just the general take online that Rampage is skippable. Um, and even if Tony spent two months putting everything you would put on dynamite normally on rampage, there'd still be this general belief out there. I feel like that rampage is skippable. Um, we've seen this in reverse. We've seen people say when something of consequence happened on rampage, we've heard people complain that it happened on rampage. Like, Oh, what happened on rampage? Why? I, you know, it needs to be on dynamite. That should be on dynamite. It shouldn't be on rampage. We've heard that that's a legit criticism that people will make about, you know, certain things. And that's because rampage has this, stigma about it and i don't know how you can unwash that stigma at this point and to use AEW, not just rampage but AEW as a whole brand the whole ring of honor experiment if that turns some people away from AEW, i don't know if you can get those fans back because like i said it's not wwe you don't have that decades of loyalty you don't have those really significant major events like the royal rumble and wrestlemania that can always kick back some fans who haven't watched in a year um I think that is 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 something that AEW has to be really really protective of, is is making sure that their brand isn't watered down because that's ultimately the the as WWE has shown the brand is the ultimate strength you have as a wrestling company. It's the in gaining loyalty to that brand from a fan base is the ultimate strength. That's where all the money is right now in wrestling, and I think that's something that AEW probably into Khan, I think have to be extremely protective of and maybe less experimental. I think. I, when, uh, I don't know if you remember this, several months ago, I had heard that WWE was maybe looking into, this is when, when Vince was still around, that WWE maybe was looking into starting some sort of live event service where I, I'm partly speculating here that maybe they would, they would run live events for, for other companies and things like that. And I, I was bringing this up to someone and this person was very you know, skeptical of the idea saying that e even in the context of, of WE, a much larger company, this sounds like a fairly small business. This person was like, ah, that, that sounds like a distraction. I don't like that idea. Um, and I don't know that that's the first time I guess I'd really 
thought about the idea of, of this sort of distraction concept in, in business. Maybe this is something that, that is, that is real to MBAs. I don't know, but this, this is, is like a much starker example of it that, um, Tony Khan seems very distracted with a, this ring of honor brand and this ring of honor business that has much less value than the AW business than perhaps the rampage property would have certainly the, the dynamite property would have, which I would argue is, would be stronger without this distraction. And without this justification of additional talent, I think there's too much talent in, in AEW slash Ring of Honor than, than he can put to efficient use. Um, meanwhile, you've lost your easily your strongest star in CM Punk because of controversy and because of partly, partly because of leadership's inability to manage that situation. Um, bigger question. Does this change the outlook on AEW's rights value? Either because, well, it couldn't sell that this property. Does this discourage you to think that they're going to be able to get a strong upgrade? AEW currently in the U.S. valued at $44 million average annual value. Dynamite and Rampage together, including Battle of the Belts. Uh, I've done math to show, hey, based on the ratings uh, and, and comparing it to other properties, including WWE and, and the NHL, uh, based on what those get per viewer, you can make an argument that maybe 3x, maybe as much as 5x. But this failure to acquire a strong, any TV deal, any TV deal worth worth agreeing to anyway for Ring of Honor, does that tell you something about the ability to negotiate of of Tony Khan or, or people who are working with him? Uh, or is it just, well, this is mostly about the Ring of Honor brand and AEW is a different story? Let me ask you this. So we talk a lot about WWE, right? WWE has really um, taken all of their properties and all of their kind of rights entities and put them all kind of in the same basket, right? They've they've aligned all, all the timing of all the deals, right? So that we talk about the second day rights deal, kind of being on the kind of a short term deal. I think NXT Hulu. is aligned as well, right? So. We can. They can say, you know, we've got all of this happening at once, and they can make some big deal with using this leverage. This is a this is an infographic for everyone. <laughs> there it is. You can get that at uh, Post Wrestling Store if you want. So, do you think that it's possible that Tony Khan is looking at this like Ring of Honor on Honor Club as a relative short term deal in the sense that when AEW's television rights come up, now I know they're separate companies, but there's a potential like, oh, here's a tiny sweetener that you might want if we're going to negotiate things like, oh, you want Dynamite, you want Rampage, you want our video library to be on your a streaming service that you own. You can have this, this and that. And oh, by the way, we'll, we'll kick in this weekly television show that we also have exclusive to your streaming service. It's Ring of Honor. Maybe he hopes to have some data saying we have this many viewers paying this amount just to watch this. So that will, you know guarantee that you add this these amount of subscribers to your um if it becomes super popular i guess like i'm I'm saying i'm yeah i'm not expecting it to be like the way wwe was able to negotiate the wwe network subscribers deal basically moving them over to peacock for a billion dollars i'm just saying in tony's mind does it make sense to to rationalize saying like yeah we're gonna move ring of honor on honor club for now but the real move for ring of honor is going to be when our rights get negotiated and we look for maybe a home for our um, AW video library, we can throw in Ring of Honor as a as as like a like a little tiny sweetener to kick to, to kick it on top. I, 
I, I, I would say whatever value Ring of Honor is going to add to Tony Khan's wrestling universe, whatever value it's going to add to his ability to negotiate favorable wrestling TV rights fees is not going to be any greater than whatever incremental value NXT adds to WWE. And how much value does NXT add? How much, how much, I, I believe. I'm not even thinking about it as far as like value, as far as how much money you can get for Ring of Honor. I'm thinking of more of just like a, like a, like a saving face gesture or just uh, in Tony's mind, we're helping grow the Ring of Honor brand by putting it on there. I'm not necessarily thinking that Tony's going to get a lot more money because of that. Um, but I'm thinking like, it's, it's more like based on like the idea of we can move Ring of Honor to a more, a stronger streaming network or something that will be you know more respectful of Ring of Honor than just having an honor club. Yeah, I guess to, to complete the point, I think NXT, what is, what is NXT getting to be on the USA Network right now? When, when that deal first happened in 2019, there was speculation slash reporting. I don't know. I don't know how to just describe what, what, what information, what the information was that was coming out in, in fall 2019 when they moved to the USA Network. But there were estimates and reports that it was anywhere from I don't know if it was like $50 million. I saw someone speculate $100 million. I don't believe that they're getting very much at all for NXT. Um, and I think it's it's a good weekly property with 52 weeks of live new content you know, year-round that they can give to their partner that just lost SmackDown, that is NBC Universal. And I don't think it's adding much value. Uh, and, and that's based on executives being asked and then basically saying, no, that that deal doesn't add anything to our, they didn't say like this, but that deal didn't add anything to our profitability. So I don't see NXT as very valuable. If NXT isn't very valuable, I don't think Ring of Honor is, I think Ring of Honor is less valuable than NXT. Oh, certainly. Ring of Honor in the context of AEW is less valuable than NXT in the context of WWE. Yeah, I I would doubt if you put Ring of Honor on television, it would do what NXT does. Certainly not in total viewers. So, So does this make, this makes me less encouraged this is certainly not encouraging about aw's ability to negotiate favorable tv rights fees given tony khan's lack of a tv deal for this property now granted that is a different ring of honor is not AEW. um ring of honor has no track record of being a top five cable show true uh we don't know what the the ratings were in the sinclair era we probably look what the destination america ratings were and, and it's not it's not great but destination america isn't a great network anyway but anyway um, in this environment, it's not that surprising that Ring of Honor wasn't able to get a deal, um, given the, the environment, given WBD's public messaging around we're going we're to cut costs and spend wisely and efficiently. Um, it makes me less bullish about AEW's ability to negotiate favorably. Um, beyond that... Um, I, I don't know, man. I think the AEW and Ring of Honor brands have such differing value. And that's what really what we're talking about when it comes to television rights. It's the same guy making the deal. though. It's the same guy, but it's the same guy now arguing basically a hypothetical case in a lot of cases when it comes to Ring of Honor of what they can deliver as opposed to what AEW's programming on TBS and TNT has delivered so far, which in the case at least of Dynamite is a show that's consistently finishing in the top five. Um, in 18 to 49, a show that was number one in 18 to 49 for like a, or, or a huge stretch over the summertime when they didn't face NBA competition. Um, I think that they're very, very different entities when it comes to what we're talking about, the negotiating rights. I, 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 I'm, Does it I'm, tell you anything about the market 
and about the seller. With the market, we've seen this before, right? We've seen um, it's not necessarily unique to wrestling that the market is very big for the established brands, the brands that cable companies can confidently say they're going to deliver for us, whether it's the NBA or the NFL or WWE, right? It's not as good for secondary brands, third brands, because the money is that needs to be paid to the biggest brands is being spent there and not necessarily being looked at for second tier, third tier, fourth tier, fifth tier brands. Um, we've seen a bunch of second tier football leagues show up, get TV deals to start on good networks, and then immediately not work out. I think it's happened about four times in the last decade. So for those, now the, I guess the argument would be, which one is AEW, right? Is AEW a first tier brand that everyone you know wants or is it the second tier brand that they're going to like, well, we're not going to invest in something that's unproven like that. Um, we don't know the answer to that. Right. And that's largely going to determine what their television deal is. We know the answer to where ring of honor is. It's a second or third tier brand. It's not a, a brand that has a strong television drawing background that AEW has um, that, that has by pretty much all accounts, a strong AEW dynamite has a strong relationship with TBS and TNT and Warner for the general that, that, Warner Bros. Discovery is very pleased with the performance of AEW so far on its network. There's been, you know, enough public comments made by different people. <laughs> How many of those people still work there is, I guess, a fair question. But there's been plenty of comments being made. Um, I know, for what it's worth, Dave Meltzer reported last week that they were, um, or I guess on, on Thursday, that 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 TB, that you know Warner Bros. Discovery was thrilled that, you know, Dynamite did so well given the spectrum outages last week and that they were very excited about the number. I, I think that I think the track record that dynamite has been able to show as a television entity um, gives Tony a much better negotiating position than him trying to sell pie in the sky ideas of, Oh, ring of honor has got Chris Jericho as its champion and we can, we're, we're going to be able to draw this and we're going to have this and it's going to be great. And you should invest in it. I think they're very different entities at this point. Okay. And I think I've, I've, I've said this equation a few times before. I think a brand is the, the, the sum of its product quality, the behavior of the talent and leadership, and the effectiveness of their communication. Does this talking and hyping about Ring of Honor TV deal uh, and then not delivering of – at least not outside of your own organization, not delivering a TV deal, does that strain Tony Khan's credibility – anymore you mean as far as like his relationship with the media and him saying that you know something exciting is coming in the media or and, and fans for that matter yeah fans that, too that i i feel it, there's been a, a lot of hype and I, I, I would like to see him and maybe i'm speaking more so as a fan or a viewer i would like to see him accept you know take an l and accept responsibility for something and it would it would strengthen his credibility to me if he would express something other than everything is wonderful all the time. It's not a pay per view; it's a great pay per view. It's not there's not talent; it's great talent. There's a lot of hype and and, and a constant uh, hype manship, as opposed to like making me feel like somebody is telling me when there's balls and strikes, telling me when things are good and bad, and being honest. I suppose I think that's. A little uh, Tony Khan is not a uh, independent arbitrator or assessor of the pro wrestling industry. 
Tony Khan's a promoter. And so I can see their wish. Like wish- I feel like Dana White would be, as one example, not to say you should always be like Dana White, mm-hmm. but I feel like Dana White would be like, yeah, this, this didn't go well. Fine. We're going to move on. You know, I think he would be a, a right. bit more blunt. Right. And I think Dana has also a lot more experience as a promoter and also has a lot more trust. A longer track with, record of success. Yeah. Like I think Dana's got – Dana's in the position where he can – be very bold and just say like, ah, yeah, no, this, this didn't work, but you're not, no one's really worried about that because we're the billion dollar company that everyone knows makes a ton of money. And so, you know, we can experiment with stuff and not do that. Tony is very much in a more um, fledgling stage of his promoter career. And he doesn't necessarily have the track record to, to be as blunt and as bold and to have the kind of confidence Um, that Dana has. I think that, I don't know. I don't have like people, you know, will say like, oh, Tony goes into hype mode. Tony just, you know, now he's selling the pay-per-view during the the media scrum and he's a promoter, man. He's not going to be, like I said, this independent balls and strikes arbitrator of, of, of the truth. That's just not, that's not what's going to happen. It's the media's job to, I think, ask provoking questions to, to try to draw, you know, different responses out of him. But at the end of the day, he's under no real obligation to be, super transparent he's under no real obligation to be um you know telling it like it is and not trying to, to, to he's certainly under no obligation you. but which is a better pr strategy is it sprinkling? right so i'm from, talking about sprinkling a little bit more a little right, bit of extra right honesty. right and to fans i think that's important in the sense that i'm, fans I'm, I'm feel not like, saying like tell me when something sucked every time i'm telling i'm yeah. saying like just give me something to show yes, me yes. that and i think you that will present was, evidence against your interest that will help me trust you Right. And there is, um, in a different way, because WWE does a lot more of this on screen than, than as opposed to in a media scrum, but there is some frustration historically from fans of like kind of WWE always kissing its own ass and Vince McMahon, um, you know, always, you know, putting over the WWE product as, as the best and the, did you know facts about how great and popular WWE is? And I think, People maybe exp- in, in part of AEW's appeal is that it's not like WWE. And part of that is that they would like to see AEW be a little less carny and a little less, you know, self promotional. I, mean, I, I recall him saying something on the media scrums once to the effect of, you know, the, the history of wrestling has not been a, a long list of honest promoters. I'm trying to be the honest promoter, right? And and to be fair, as far as wrestling promoters go. Tony seems to be the most media available as far as the, the mo- you know, you know, very successful wrestling promoters go. He seems to be the most willing to do different interviews with different people. He seems to be the most willing to, to go on different shows. He's the most willing to talk to the media in, you know, a media scrum like setting than, than anybody else. So by those standards and those are pretty low standards, I think he is the most transparent and he probably is the most honest wrestling promoter by a lot of definitions, at least in the American market in quite a long time. Um, whether or not he's hitting a certain level that I think fans can really trust what he's going to say. If he's hurting, hitting a level where he's no longer, he's not going to erode any type of trust. I'm not sure. Um, I think my perception of him hasn't changed as much as yours as Brandon, as far as where we started. And I know you, you voiced this on this show and to me separately that you're kind of concerned about, you feel like Tony is less honest than maybe he was at the start that he's maybe become more defensive of his product and more defensive um, of his decision-making. And I think uh, that's like directly proportionate to the success and momentum that, that his brand is having at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the media scrum from yesterday, so I can't I can't tell you about his tone yesterday. I thought I thought during full gear he was pretty good. I didn't have any problems with it. I thought the questions in general were pretty pretty solid, and I didn't think he got rolling downhill. I think it was shorter than some of his other press conferences, um, which I think has helped. But at the end of the day, I I, I think I, I understand Tony's personality in these media scrums and his his personality when he's on podcast interviews and things like that. Um, and so I'm not really surprised by a lot of what he says or, or what, or, you know, kind of his general promoter behavior. Cause that's, that's what he is. And he definitely sees himself as a chief salesman of his product. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd Wallet's smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd Wallet's smart money podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Um... Finally, I, I think we'll move on from debating this particular issue. But time slot, where would you put this TV show? Um, I was exploring this in a few tweets on Twitter. Um, obviously, you have a show on Wednesday night in primetime. You have a show on Friday at 10. Uh, he seems to not want to go against the NFL because the NFL owners all share the TV money. So why why run against yourself, I guess? So that would rule out Monday in primetime. That would rule out. Thursday in prime time that would rule out, I guess, Sunday night in prime time and probably not Saturday, but that's not as frequent, right? So what, what does that leave? If we're thinking prime time only, I guess that leaves going head to head with NXT, going head to head with SmackDown. Uh, a lot of people suggested the 605 time slot, nostalgic for, for the TBS era. Um, I guess that, that one makes the most sense to me in that you could have a six o'clock show and then on the days that you do pay-per-view – you can, you know, be like watch Ring of Honor beforehand, and then we'll do the, the pre-show to the, the pay-per-view and 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 all that. Um, Dark is airing at seven on was it, was it Monday and Tuesday on YouTube? Yeah, I think Dark and Dark Elevation are Monday and Tuesday. Um, yeah, I don't think it matters to be honest. I think you're you're going to be putting uploading those things on our club, and most people are going to be watching them at their own time. I, th- I think there, there there needs to be a central – we've seen that with Ring of Honor and the Sinclair era. I think mm-hmm. we're seeing that with the, the total lack of buzz that WoW has because it doesn't have a central location where everybody can watch and interact with and perhaps promote it on social media. Yeah, I mean I think – look, you, look, you do want to have a time where it's on. You want to encourage people to watch it right as it first starts airing. You want to be able to go on Twitter – and show clips as it's first airing like they do with Dynamite and Rampage and saying like, you know, Athena is in the ring in action right now and check it, you know, ter- check it out on Honor Club airing right now. But at the end of the day, I think most people are going to watch this on their own time, I would think. And they, and I think that, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's something that, you know, makes it different than, than, than Dynamite or Rampage, certainly. I think because it's lower profile, there's not going to be as many spoilers out as you would see with Dynamite or Rampage. Um, and I think that that sometimes will help with, with more people watching the product if they feel like they can watch it kind of whenever they want at their own time. They don't have to DVR it. They don't have to find it on the TPS app. Um, 
like they would if they missed an episode of Dynamite or Rampage. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the six oh five time sounds cool. I think I think you could run it. I mean, we know he doesn't want to compete. He doesn't want to compete against Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football with Dynamite or Rampage. Is it different when it's a smaller? I property? yeah. Does he care if it's oh it's Ring of Honor? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put it on like because I don't want people watching Ring of Honor. Um, because the audience is fairly low for it. Yeah, I don't watch want, want people watching Ring of Honor because it's going to be taking away potential viewership from Monday Night Football, and that's where I have a, a big investment in as one of the NFL owners. I don't think that – I don't know if that will enter the equation as much as, as, as it would be with Dynamite, which obviously putting Dynamite head-to-head against Monday Night Football, which would be putting it head against, head against Raw, which so it's a very convenient line for Tony to say that he doesn't want to compete against Monday Night Football. Not that I don't believe him, but just – it's a nice thing to say. Um, I think with Ring of Honor, I don't think I don't think it really matters what day you pick. I mean, yes, you want to have that central time. Yes, you want to have a, a time where people feel like who are really into it and want to watch it immediately as soon as it launches. But I think in general, it's because it's going to be on an on-demand platform. It's going to be more in the habit of the rate at which people watch shows that air on streaming networks, which is basically whenever they feel like they have time. Again, if you want to send in a question or comment, uh, send in a super chat, and we'll take that at the end. Um, reception. This is from Cage Match. I do have the windows open here to see if they've changed at all, because these numbers tend to moderate as time goes on. But Cage Match rating with seventy votes in is at an eight point one four, which is a little bit lower than the other two Ring of Honor pay per views of the Tony Khan era, but definitely in the ballpark. Um, Seems like the reception for for this one is is about the same. I would feel like as the other ones, right? In the, in the ballpark, for sure, yeah. Um, it seems like the FTR Briscoe match is very well received. Some of the other matches on the on the show are getting some some praise, but not a ton. Yeah, it's it's the other two on Cage Match did a point eight, an eight point six four, and an eight point six seven. So two two very similar ratings. This is at an eight point one four. I would guess that's going to get a, a very slightly lower over time. Um, but still, in, the, in do you the think that's do you think that's related to general lack of enthusiasm for the Ring of Honor brand, as opposed to, you know, certainly with the Supercard of Honor show, people just being really excited that Ring of Honor is still continuing, um, the kind of news that that AEW had recently that Tony Khan had recently purchased it, there was more positive momentum for because we see that right if there's there's positive momentum for a show or, or a brand that the cage match rating will will be maybe a little bit more positive. Than if the show had just exi- then basically if we're just looking at the show in a vacuum, and consequentially, if people feel like the brand is a little colder, it'll be maybe harder to get a better rating. Yeah, we can. I'm showing you a live picture of my my Chrome tab here. It is now down to an eight point zero nine, but it's I think it's got seventy eight votes. The other, these other two have 100, 190, 179. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure this will this will obviously grow over the next couple of days. I would imagine it's going to finish a little bit lower, and that's. Yeah. This is this and is not this is not a business metric, but I would imagine that's somewhat reflective of the number of people who are watching this as opposed right. to Right, and this of course this one airing of course at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I imagine a lot of people, even people, you know, this might do strong replay, especially because the FTR Briscoe match has gotten a lot of praise mm-hmm. for being so great. You might in you might see people watching it later um because they weren't around yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Um go back to this. The Tickets out for this uh, as of yesterday, so there's no final count yet from WrestleTix, but most recent count, 2,539 tickets distributed in Arlington at the College Park Center. Uh, 
So there's that. I and believe the, in that press release that you got from Ring of Honor earlier this morning, I believe they said after an event with over 2,500 fans in attendance. Right? Is that in the press release? Featuring... 2,500 oh, oh, hours, hours of, hours of premium assumed. professional wrestling <laughs> I just, content. I just saw that number and I just assumed it was the attendance. No. Yeah. So, uh, but probably what, around that anyway. What do, you, what do you think for average ticket? Let's say $50 average ticket. Let's say they sold, what, what, what was the ticket distributed? Uh, 25. So I don't know. Let's go 23,000 paid. Uh, let's see, 50 times 23,000, that's $115,000 gate. Uh, so about a 10th of a million dollar gate. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll go on to NXT deadline just very briefly. Uh, the reception for NXT deadline is 8.14, which is better than the other, the previous two NXT PLEs. Uh, well, that Halloween Havoc show was atrocious. You loved it. You, it, the, 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 uh, the, the dramatic what was was, uh, was the Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade match. You're not my friend, and and the uh, who could forget that moment? I don't know how you could top that. Um, has it changed since it's down to an eight point one one? So, but still well above the last two, right? Yeah, Fair, fairly above the the NXT Halloween Havoc. Um, that's really all I had to go through here. Um, I have a bunch of numbers just to sort of demonstrate uh, ticket sales for AEW not not improving. They're they're headed for their they're still on track for their weakest quarter yet in terms of tickets distributed on an average per event basis per wrestle ticks. Um, those are the ratings. Uh, yeah, and I, I do this this chart that shows what's the margin of difference for Dynamite versus each Raw and SmackDown, and SmackDown's lead over. Dynamite in the demo has continued to grow in recent months, while Raw is a bit more stable. Um, Google Trends for AEW year-over-year have been down since July, uh, but WWE's been down to a lesser degree, single digits, since May, um, for what that's worth. And And AEW was up huge in quarter two and quarter one year-over-year. Correct. So that rate, that, that kind of you know, it's definitely an interesting contrast that one month it's, they're up sixty one percent year over year, and then they're down twenty, what twenty three percent the next month. I think this is largely because when when does the news in the previous year start to break CM about Punk. about Punk and Brian? Yeah, and that's yeah. July of twenty twenty one, and all so all this time is is you know being compared <laughs> to time when when Punk and Brian were not mm-hmm. in, and I, in the in the, the pandemic, year. right? We're, we're talking yes. anti shows Very and things point. like that. Yes. Um, and this is the margin of difference in worldwide Google web search between WWE and AEW. That uh, margin has been decreasing. So AEW getting closer to WWE in terms of web search until September 2021 uh, when, when, when some cupcakes were eaten. I don't know if that's the main reason, but, uh, but it's flattened since then. No, no, that would have been September 2022. I'm sorry. Since September 2021. That's when Punk shows up the first time. You're September right. 2021 is, You're like right. we talked about, we just said the big, the big, you know, news, the July news that Punk and Brian were coming in. Yes. 2022 looks like it's been pretty consistently flat, you know. So no further ground gained since Punk debuted. Which Punk is interesting given how much major news has happened in both of those promotions. Yes. Yes. This year. Uh, okay. 
Uh, let's see if we have anything to deal with here. We have one, I think one super chat as, as I scroll through quickly. Here. I saw one, yes. Yes, there's, there seems to be one. We will we'll put it on the screen. What does it say? Uh, this is from Big Time Baxter. With, with, a, with a demo question again. Do, do you think AEW has conditioned viewers to feel like the first hour of Dynamite is always important? Then there's a drop-off or a decline in 18 to 49. Um, some of this is due just to the Big, Big Bang Theory is, is a strong lead-in, and that really boosts that first quarter hour. Um, but but it's true. Like I mean, even, even if you sort of take that out of the equation, I expect that we would find quarter hour or hour two, the last four quarters of the show, averaging less than the the you know quarter hour two through four um and and well you typically kind of see a growth sometimes we'll see some some growth from the nine to nine fifteen quarter hour correct from the the nine fifteen to what the nine to nine fifteen quarter hour often i'm a small amount of growth talk i'll 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 pull up a spread if i recall just looking at the quarter hours week to week i feel like you usually might see like you know up like within five or less percent uh 18 to 49 from the 9 to 9 15 and so if there was a there was this big notable drop off where at 8 59 people are like all right the good stuff is over i'm leaving um i think it would be maybe more noticeable in, in ratings i think what you often see is people who are coming to the show later maybe they're watching something else that gets over at nine flipping onto dynamite um but i think like in wwe this is very similar in the sense that wwe you know will start off at a certain level and then hour two will be less than hour one and then hour three will, will be down even further. So typically it feels like wrestling tends to decline throughout the show with maybe a little bit growing during the main event, depending on what it is. Okay. I think we will, we will reference now a very exclusive spreadsheet that uh, o- o- only I and Jason Umperser really uh, live in, in that. I don't know why Q- Q2 is giving me an error, but what's the question you're asking about? quarter hour five which is the nine o'clock to nine fifteen yeah. quarter and it it's usually flat in, in total and down two mm-hmm. percent in the demo so this is the median of the last year is what we're looking at here the median delta quarter to quarter throughout the last 365 days and yeah i, I should take some more time and, and sort this this table out but it doesn't appear to be a strong growth quarter Brandon, do you enjoy seeing like the conclusion of a lot of Big Bang Theory episodes like I do? Like I don't watch Big Bang Theory, but I watch the last three minutes of every episode that no, airs on I, Mondays at 8.30 I, I or 7.30. I turn, the, I turn the volume down all the way whenever I'm, I'm watching most. I like seeing the conclusion of the, 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 the sitcom premise. You know, yes. characters making up after getting in a fight or some, some hijinks going on, usually involving Sheldon saying something awkward and his friends rolling their eyes at him. And then followed by Young Sheldon afterward. Have you been watching that lately? After Dynamite, I do. We, you do get to see the plot of the the start of, of Young Sheldon. Um, yes. Young Sheldon, they have a lot of pleasing Texas accents, so oh, it's, really? it's usually a nice little palate cleanser after Dynamite. Okay, um, that's all. I that's all. I, we could. We do you want to talk about the Hall of Fame? We could. Sure. Um, the Hall of Famers, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, in a follow up to our prior conversation on the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. The, uh, the new Hall of Famers are, according to, to uh, Joe Gagne. Do you know Joe Gagne? You're I've never met Joe Gagne in person. He's from your um, area. He, is a, he, I believe, is a Worcester man, personally. Okay. Um, but yes, I'm familiar Hall, with Joe. Hall of Fame inductees. The Holy Demon Army, who you wrote an article 
trying to make sure they stayed out of the Hall of Fame. They're in. Tetsuya Naito, Kota Ibushi, Mystico, Vianos, Rollerball, Rollerball Mark Rocco, plus Dave added promoters Lou Darrow and Johnny Doyle. Uh, the Rocco Perez tag team fell 3% short of induction. Punk was up 8% and only hit 41%. Mystico slash Caristico was the top percentage getter at 76%. And now that leaves John Moxley as the only Flair Thez Wrestler of the Year winner not in the Observer Hall of Fame. I believe he goes back on the ballot next year? Yes, he's going to be back on the ballot next year. And he might have two Flair Thez Awards by that point. Yeah, he's he's a probably a favorite chance. to win this year. Don't 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 see the observer voters voting uh, Roman Reigns as Flair, Flair Thess. I don't know. I, I think Reigns might have a case. Personally, just like I think he probably has a better case. He'll be getting than your he vote. Did last year? Uh, he will not be getting my vote. I actually, you know, what's funny is I don't vote in the observer awards. Yeah. The Hall of Fame I take like super seriously, but the observer awards there's like too many categories, and I usually just don't vote. But I like reading about them. And I like talking about them, but I just don't vote in them. Did you vote for any of these inductees? I did. I voted for Naito and Mystico. You didn't vote for the Holy Demon Army? No. No, I didn't vote for – I'm not doing any of this tag team stuff. You reject – so this is the this is the big thing is that the tag, the, the tag team that – Dave put a bunch of tag teams on the ballot that had one Hall of Fame member already inducted and one Hall of Fame – one person not – one member not in the Hall of Fame. And he put all of these ones on the ballot and the only two that got in were Holy Demon Army and – Volanos. Um, so, were any of the Volanos in individually? It's like Viano three. Yeah, I think maybe they weren't, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I read the recap, and I'm pretty sure one of the Volanos. And and who? Which, which Vianos does this include now? Is this one through five? I believe it's one, one through, through five. Is, aren't there six though? Then it's one through know. six. I think I it's all know. of them. Okay. Who knows? Uh, um, Anyway, I don't vote in Mexico, so this uh, it doesn't it doesn't I'm not I, I can't really say um, yes or no on it. But I mean, I voted for Naito and Ibushi, and I don't vote in Mexico, so I wouldn't have. I have no opinion on Mystico and Villanos. I'm, I'm kind of happy Mystico was in just because I think he was like a huge drawing card uh, in a way that very few wrestlers have been in the last twenty years. Uh, even I, if I, was, well, I will probably not vote in the in the Mexico category going forward. I was voting in that category mainly because. I think Mystico is obviously a Hall of Famer. Yeah, like I would vote for him if I voted Mexico, but I just – I don't know enough about Lucha history to feel like I have a credible vote in, in there. Um, you know, Dave, he added Lou Darrow and Johnny Doyle in. He needs to add more Siegel who he puts – like he – it's so dumb. Like he, he puts more Siegel on the ballot, but he won't put Lou Darrow on the ballot because he Lou Darrow was a promoter from too long ago. Yeah, can you briefly summarize the careers of Lou Darrow and Johnny Doyle because I can't? I don't know that much about Johnny Doyle. Um, Steve Yoey wrote like a really long article that has a ton of information in it uh, in the Observer on Ludaro. Ludaro was a promoter. Um, it starts in the late 19 teens and you know throughout the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Um, really, kind of turns wrestling in California into a thing. He starts off in Sacramento, but then goes to Los Angeles and plays a pivotal role. You know, was basically kind of like propped up by Jim Londos, I guess. Like, Jim Londos got Daro in as a promoter, and Londos is kind of like the de facto promoter, but Daro is kind of like his main guy. And obviously, Londos was a huge draw in Los Angeles and at the Olympic Auditorium, really doing a ton of business. 
um, in Los Angeles, basically like wrestling in Southern California in the first half of the America of the 20th century is, is Lou Darrow territory. Um, so he has a strong case, but Dave has this thing, right. Where he will, um, he'll automatically induct certain people into the hall of fame. That this are, is what is referred to as induction by fiat, which he has done right? many times. So he will induct people who he thinks are worthy, but because they are, and promoters, do we know that this is this is purely a one person Dave Meltzer decision? Are there are is there a special committee? Dave has never hinted. Of, of, Dave of has never people. said. Now I think Steve. Here's what I think happened. I think Steve Yoey wrote that really long Ludara article and it convinced Dave that he needs to be in. Now, because he's done that with other people that have. Does he explain his rationale about why not put them on the ballot? Yes, he says that because they're. It's he says like. Because they were so long ago that he does, and, and this is a wrestling does not celebrate certain periods of history um, like other sports would. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, anything that happened before 1970 is basically the voters un- cannot be trusted to make. No, they, they, I mean, they can't. Um, and so you have people. So anyone basically before 1970 will have a very difficult time getting in just the way it is. Um, but even he, this highly selected population of people, it's only like 200, 300 people. No. Trusted. Right. Yes. Bobby Davis can't get in, Brandon. He invented being mm-hmm. a manager, basically. The, yes. the art of being the manager, and he can't get in because mm-hmm. he did it during the 1950s and early 1960s. And that's not a time period that's celebrated in, in wrestling circles. And even historians um, will overlook that. But um, the thing about – so so – Basically, my whole point with this Lou Darrow and Johnny Doyle thing is that Morris Siegel, who is a promoter, pretty much a contemporary of Lou Darrow. He's probably a little bit younger than Lou Darrow, but not by much. He starts promoting in the night. He was the promoter in Houston from 1920-ish to his death in the mid-1960s, so over 40 years. Um, and he's on the ballot, and he does. he struggles to get the vote to get in. And Dave wrote in The Observer this week – that more seagulls should really be in and voters just don't go that far back. Um, so he's going to really struggle to get in yet at the same time, he was like, ah, Lou Darrow, we'll just put him in. It's like, just put more seagull in too. If it's the exact same situation, but for some reason, seagulls on the ballot and Lou Darrow and Johnny Doyle just automatically get in. I don't understand it. I sometimes feel like me and other people take the observer hall of fame more seriously than Dave does when it comes to like organizational effort. And it kind of feels dumb to kind of talk about it as much as we do because Dave doesn't seem to put in the effort to make it consistent. Um, but it's definitely a super fun thing to talk about each each year when it pops up. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's all we have. Can I ask week. my Can I ask my sneaky big question? Yes. All right. So this is a, a gimmick. That... Explain the strategy behind this. This. Concept. Um, so so this concept that people will want to hear is um, me and Brandon. We'll have off off the air discussions about the wrestling industry, and Brandon will say we should we should really be recording. That, that, this. That's where I dropped the real scoops. Yeah, he said we should really be recording this. This is like we're not. This is like our conversations are fit for public consumption. We're not just knocking people or things like that. Uh, I don't know if I said that part, but yes, it may be no. Right. You said you said this is this is fit for public consumption. Uh, the public. I would say most this, of this public these conversations, <laughs> but. He um so so I I said well, why don't at the end of every show I'll ask a random question not necessarily economic WrestleNomics based not necessarily economics or business based um and Gullo and, and, and Brandon can answer them and we can have a kind of a like a you know a short discussion about our 
random question that I come up with. That's just a general question about the rest of the industry and, and, and viewers at home, people in the comment section, feel free to play along. Um, so I'll, I'll ask a question and we'll talk about it, you know, maybe for a few minutes, but I guess we'll start real simple here, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Who would suppose the rock is not available? Mm-hmm. Who would you I, have I don't know Roman- if this is going to be prepared this week. I was wondering. No, the rock is not who, available. Who would you have Roman Reigns face at WrestleMania? Either Cody or Sami Zayn. You have to pick one. Um, it depends on what the I get the, the choices are for either of those. If they don't, I guess you could do Sami Zayn and this is fantasy booking. Sami Zayn and, and, and Kevin Owens against the Usos instead. That was probably ripe to do at that time by April. Um, and do Cody and Reigns. Probably would still put Reigns over though in that case. Um, unless like Cody is just like setting the world on fire in that build. And we're talking about who has to win. I mean, they don't have to, but I guess who's, who would win the Royal rumble in that case as well. Um, it's those two. Um, I guess I would do the tag match and in, in my world, much mm-hmm. like Shohai Baba's world tag tag titles are our main event title. And that's how I would structure things. And that's a big deal. That's as, that's nearly as big as being in, in the heavyweight title match. I think it has so I guess to we be. do Cody is my answer. Yeah, I think it has to be Sami Zayn. I think WWE's really struggled in the over the years to have a baby face that's organically over with the fan base in this way. But the, I think there'll be more to come. This is not not the irrational era uh, of of the last umpteen years. Who who would you say is coming up right now? Would, I don't know, but it, it seems inevitable that with assuming. So that's a big assumption, but assuming that you have rational booking going forward, I think that's fairly safe. I'm somewhat optimistic that things will move gradually, slowly. I think you have an exciting story to tell, and I think that's what the fan base wants. Is they want sure what they want is they want an exciting story leading up to a a big moment happening at WrestleMania. I think that would send a very positive message to your fans about this new era of leadership, and I think. Like, say you do Sami Zayn and he just loses to Roman Reigns, I would say that's what Vince would do. Would be, ah, this guy's kind of over, but we still like Roman Reigns and he's going over, damn it. Um, and the fans are maybe more tolerant of that than they used to be because of the progress that's been made in, in getting Roman over with the fans. But I think that. And you're putting you the tell, on Sami Zayn. Yes. Yeah. I think you could tell a, a really, um, a really easy story, right? You have the bloodline. This is going to be real fantasy booking Sami Zayn gets tossed out of the Royal rumble by a member of the bloodline that leads to Sammy and Kevin working together to defeat the Usos for the tag titles at the pay-per-view in February, which is in Montreal, which would be a huge deal. And then Sami Zayn does something where he is now the number one contender for the world title leading up to WrestleMania, where he can exact his big revenge by defeating Roman Reigns. I think that would be a, Uh, All these people, by the way, I see some people in the chat saying Sammy can't win the title Um, that you all have Vince McMahon brain. Uh, That's what this is what Vince has taught you, that someone like Sammy Zayn cannot be the champion, even if they're really over and even if the fans really want him to be champion. Well, here's the thing, though. What what, what are the the most important customers in in WWE's world? Um, The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And and they have to take care of those business relationships. And Sammy Zayn can't go and defend the title. If he's the champion, that, that that title can't be defended in Saudi Arabia if Sami Zayn can't go, isn't isn't allowed to go to Saudi Arabia and defend mm-hmm. it. 
Yeah, I mean that's a good point. When is the when is the next um, Saudi Arabia show? I'd expect it to be in the spring sometime. So so I, shortly I after months. WrestleMania, probably right? in the months following. So even a short reign for Sami Zayn because I don't think he necessarily has to have a super long title reign. But even a short reign for for Sami Zayn could not that they couldn't do a show dramatic. They, not that they couldn't do a Saudi Arabia show without the title match there, but yeah, yeah. it would be conspicuous. You know, they sold out that Montreal show on the first day. Quick, very quickly. Who um, do you think did that? Who do you think those people are paying to see? Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Yeah, I think that's a real hot yeah. thing that you could do. Their, their TV um, tapings were very strong, too. Um, they, they, you know, WWE's got some big um, houses coming up. They have some really strong ticket sales. I was reading about. I've, I've followed it a little bit on WrestleTix, and I was reading about them in the Observer because Dave has that information Maybe about. Dave's not sold out, by the way. Um, Revolution. Revolution that for sure. Whole, yeah, thousands. Like five thousand tickets, I think, sold. Yeah. But that, that you know, that's also three months away in San Francisco. Um, I think that's yeah, and I bet you those tickets are really pricey because that's as a very expensive. That's a very expensive building to run. Um, but the. Uh, but like you know, WWE they they have a, a big I think a, a big taping in Chicago that I think is well over ten thousand fans. Um, they have a taping. They have the I think the Raw thirtieth or is it is it Raw thirty? Yes, it's Raw thirty um, is uh, in Philadelphia, and I think that's just about sold out. Um, and they have a few more. Um, Raw in Philly, Wells Fargo, twelve thousand four hundred eighty three out. Yeah, pretty close to a sellout for that and that that's that's for that's not for a, a long time right when is that that's, that's january 23rd yeah so it's still, we're still about six weeks out from that um but yeah i was i was looking at that and it was like they got a lot of 10 plus 10, 000 plus fans and after they kind of cooled off a little bit after kind of being really hot during the first you know month or two of the triple H in montreal they're doing smackdown the night before in montreal that is also virtually sold out right um and so this that's a i mean it's not like WWE's really leaned into the, the the you know they don't really prominently feature like the Cana- French Canadian aspects of their wrestlers that much, but that is clearly a sign of having wrestlers that are over in a certain market. Global um, localization, local as as, as, as local. that's what I call it personally. Global now, but thank you. Um, yeah, I mean it's a big deal. Um, AEW is finally running in Winnipeg. Something that I've been saying since the very first day the company was founded that they should run in Winnipeg. I think. It's not good that WWE ran it before them, but I think that they finally running in Winnipeg is such a no-brainer, and I'm happy to see. Um, you know, I don't know if we talked about that, but AEW has a lot of first-time markets. You know, we, we, we talked about this a few months ago, that, you know, AEW was running the same markets, and what are some markets that they can go to for the first time? They had the, you know, in 2023, they really are running a lot of first-time markets. They're running the Bay Area. We talked about Sacramento, Seattle. Portland. Um, they're, they're running uh, Denver area for the first time in a long time. Yeah, they're going to Phoenix for the first time. Uh, I th- they announced recently. They announced El Paso, Texas. They're going to Laredo, Texas. Yeah. Um, Fresno was, was, a f- was the first time yeah, in January. Fresno. I still think they, they they haven't been to San Diego. I don't think they've announced anything for San Diego so. yet, which would be like I think the biggest city they haven't hit yet in the United States. Winnipeg, like we just we just said, they still have you know. Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Montreal, they've never run. Ottawa and Canada, they've never run. So they still have some big Canadian markets they can hit. But they definitely are um, expanding their live shows. And we'll see what impact that has on their on their attendance. I think 
Q1 is looking really good for AEW, I think, attendance-wise, because they're going to be in all these new markets for the first time. Lexington, Kentucky, the Rupp Arena. Yeah, the big the big show in the Lexington with the 22,000 arena. Yep. Um, we'll see how that compares to, to Ven- uh, the NXT deadline. Should WrestleNomics no. have like a, a control center segment where we just run through all the events? Coming up on January 25th to the Rupp Arena, AEW Dynamite, 3,321 tickets currently out, 68% of capacity. <laughs> That's not 68% of capacity of Rupp Arena, I can tell you that, but how many they have listed for sale? Um, yes. Yeah, I, I 68% know, you know what show, of what's on the, sale. The, yes. the Laredo, Texas show, I think, is really interesting because WWE usually does really good in Laredo, Texas. Mm-hmm. And, AEW, and obviously Laredo, Texas. 2,712 out currently. How much? 2,712 as of last count. Mm-hmm. So that will be a really interesting show because Laredo – Texas is right on the border of Mexico. Um, and so WWE usually does really well, you know, having Rey Mysterio on their shows and some of their other Mexican wrestlers that they have. AEW is in possession of some of the most popular wrestlers, active wrestlers in Mexico. Um, and they obviously have a relationship with AAA, so they can take stars from AAA if they want to. But they have wrestlers like Roosh, wrestlers like, you know, Pentagon and Phoenix. These guys that are big, big stars. Jeff Jarrett, um, Brian Cage, they, Brian Cage. Well, some of these guys do draw in Mexico, um, but but like people so like was it Brian stuff. Cage was doing the the Trump gimmick. Or is that someone else? He was he was part of the Trump stable. I think Sam Adonis was was also part of yeah, it. But that sounds right. Yeah, AEW has a lot of Mexican talent. They have talent that's big in Mexico. So it'll be interesting to see if we get closer what they decide to push. I would say like having someone like Roosh, um, maybe Andrade's back by then, but who knows. Um, yes. But having those guys, and, and, and I think that will be really interesting and it could make for kind of a different atmosphere with the, the, the Mexican talent being really over in Laredo. I've said that I would like to see AEW perhaps run a show in Mexico, um, but maybe that's logistically challenging. But in lieu of that, shows in places like Laredo and El Paso are the next best thing, really. Um, and so those will be – I think those will be cool shows to, 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 to watch and to see how they do. But um, that's – I guess that's that, – the, the, the big questions. uh turned into a conversation about live events mm-hmm. okay anything else no i think that's it okay all right anything to plug uh, sure yeah um so this upcoming week um i believe the first one is going to run on monday and then there's going to be um subsequent articles running in following days i wrote a four-part series on the four pillars in, in AEW: mjf sammy guevara darby allen and jungle boy um kind of like a three-year, you know, it's been three years of AEW Dynamite. So, you know, a three-year retrospective of, you know, where these guys are right now, what they've done so far in AEW, what can we expect from them in the future? What kind of crossroads are some of these guys at three years into their kind of national television careers? Um, and so that's that's going to be on VoicesOfWrestling.com. Again, I think the first one is going up Monday, and then there'll be one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, and one on Thursday. It's going to be called Three Years of the Four Pillars. People can check that out. Again, first one should be up tomorrow. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Jesse Collings, um, and you can see I'll be tweeting about them all week. So if you want, guys want to check out that writing, uh, you can. And as always, there's patreon.com slash WrestleNomics where you can get my TV ratings reports that come out nearly every day, including quarter-hour reports that continue to come out and will as available. Uh, the WrestleNomics spreadsheet, the WrestleNomics 30, an additional 30-minute podcast that we do, usually on Thursday. 
And you get slides to this podcast as well as additional reporting. We did the Google Trends report for talent, I believe, since we did WrestleNomics Radio last. Uh, that's at WrestleNomics. That's at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. And if people don't know, you can actually log into WrestleNomics.com with your Patreon account and you can view the reports there uh, if, if you find that. It might be a little experience. more user-friendly might be a little user friendly than the yes. Patreon page. Yes. I've, um, been, I've been doing much scripting of late to integrate Patreon with, with the website. Real quick, Big Time Baxter's asking uh, uh, in, in the chat, uh, do you have any guesses for the Winter is Coming rating? That's this coming Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. It better be up. <laughs> uh, three two. I don't know. I think I think point three two would be a, a fair like over under number to set. So yeah. Yes. Okay. Thanks everybody for listening, supporting. We'll talk to you next time. And in fact, we, we are not competing with ourselves here. Post wrestling coming up at one o'clock has the UFC post show, so you can check that out over on their YouTube channel. Talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs>